Welcome folks to our final 2023 Slam Ball Team season preview for The Wrath. I am very excited today. This is the last of our season previews. The league bounces off, starts, begins, whatever you want to say, this Friday, 21st of July on ESPN, ESPN Plus, etc, etc. Very excited. Also very excited because before the season started, when they announced the team names and nothing else, the team I picked were The Wrath, because I think people over here are going to mispronounce the name. And I'm very excited because the logo was sick, the colours are sick, the graphics for the team are sick. And looking at the team, the team is pretty sick, including one of my favourite players we've already previewed in Darian Slade, who was previously on the Griffins, is now a member of the Wrath roster. And I'm excited to see him in a Wrath number 7 jersey. Um, lots going on in the world of slam ball. There's like three new slam ball podcasts. I don't have the names in front of me right now, but if you check out my social media at Quantum Roberts um, on Twitter or Instagram and things like that, I end up posting um, some of their stuff as well. And it's just nice that there's loads more people doing content creation um, around this great sport. But don't forget who did it first, who had the first episode out of anything. <laughs> um, and the most. <laughs> but that's just because I'm on my own here. I'm on my own. Everyone else, part of great teams, really excited to see the expansion of Slam Ball content creation. Also excited to see the expansion of Slam Ball. There have been releases in terms of the rules, in terms of the safety measures. There's information about that on my Twitter page, including a thing called the Taxi Roster, which is a four-man set of players who are able to step in for any of the teams if they have an injury. So every roster is only seven players big, and then there'll be four additional guys who can step in as and when needed. If a team likes the guy that they've taken off the taxi roster more than the player they were using, they can continue to move in that direction and their player then becomes part of the taxi roster and someone else can take them. It's all very exciting and it explains some of the things that we've been dealing with over the past couple of weeks in terms of why is this player on this team and now he's moved to this team? Where's this player come from? What's that going on? I'm guessing most of this is taxi squad related injuries and whatnot, people coming in it. Very exciting. Um, but what's more exciting is the slam ball team, is the Wrath. Um, we're going to start with their first round pick in Christian Grey. No, that's not a joke. And I'm sorry, he probably hears that all the time. So if you're listening to this review, Christian, or this preview, I apologize that I've also made the same joke. But no, his name is Christian Grey. He's 25 years old. He's from San Bernardino, California. He's six foot six, 245 pounds. He's playing stopper. Okay. One of many players on this team with a basketball background. I think this is the team with the most consistent basketball representation. He reached Division I college basketball with Cal State Northridge in 2022, where he was scoring 5.2 points per game, 4.79 rebounds, one assist, and 0.9 steals, so almost one steal a game in 21 minutes. These don't excite me as numbers. The rebounds is really good. And as I've mentioned before, high rebounding numbers implies good Offensive awareness, defensive awareness, good positioning, um, good physicality, a lot of different things. Rebounding is when you're catching the ball after a miss, if anyone doesn't know. And a decent rebounding number is a good sign. So that was in his last year of college eligibility, which was 2022, last year. He does not have anything I can find in the pro leagues, but I did have a little look at the rest of his college career. So his best numbers are the 2017-2018 season he spent at Salt Lake Community College, if we're looking at this, this is a larger role that he had, but similar minutes, more scoring he was request, required for him from him. Excuse me. So in 2017-2018, Christian Grey was averaging 13.4 points per game, 7.6 rebounds, 2.3 assists, and still that 0.9 steals per game. So he's consistent on the defensive end. 
Um, which is interesting from a stopper that he's not got high block numbers. The assists, the 2.3 excite me because that shows he's got a little bit of distribution ability when the ball's in his hands, which we've mentioned before from a stopper. I would quite like them to be able to pass the ball around a little bit more and really spread the floor with their passing ability. The problem with that comment about spreading the floor is that I also want them to have three-point shooting. And what does Christian Grey not have? Three-point shooting. It's pretty abysmal. Um, he did technically shoot 100% accuracy in that season we talked about with Salt Lake Community College, but that's because he took one three and made one three, so good for him. Um, but that's not part of his game. It's also really hard to assess what he's good at because there's no highlights on his Instagram, either from basketball or from slam ball. So that's going to be a big thing with this team. And this is the first team I've noticed where maybe I'm making a judgment call, but they don't seem as excited about being a part of this league as other players and other teams because they're not posting as much on their social media and saying, this is what I'm doing and this is what we did today in training and this is a highlight for me. Maybe they're not as excited. Maybe they're being coached and told, just keep it on the down low. We don't need to advertise what we're going to do. We're going to show up and we're going to play well when the season begins. I don't know. There was one highlight reel from his time in community college, and this is what I noticed checking out the tape. He's got good quickness on spin moves, which is a really helpful thing in basketball. In slam ball, I think the best application of that is an open floor. If a player comes to try and make a hit on you, you can spin around them. That's very nice. But that requires him to have the ball in the open floor in like a tra transition offense situation, which a stopper, not ideal, but a good thing to have in the repertoire. When he jumps, he sort of floats up. It's not an explosion. It's not an explosion to the rim. It's not an explosion that we'll see off the trampoline. It's sort of a float, which can be quite good at mismanaging timings with other stoppers or even with people attacking you. The negative is if you're not getting explosive height at the stopper position yourself, Players who do have that height could get right on top of you a lot faster, and that hurts your defensive capabilities. Offensively, it's nice to throw off the defending players. Defensively, don't love it. He's got some touch around the game, uh, around the rim, sorry. Some touch around the rim, which is a really good sign in terms of moving in the air, getting around defensive players and scoring on them, but isn't always something that, that will translate to the sport. But... It does at least show an ability to make a play when there's someone directly in your face. Okay, he's got a decent back to the basket game in basketball. I I note that just to say that this is this is a large part of his scoring repertoire, but that that won't translate to slam ball. There's very little use for something like that in the sport, especially because the only section underneath the basket you can take a jump shot from is the island where you're not supposed to be shooting. That's like the only space you could stand. You can't shoot from the island. Okay. He's comfortable with high-arching shots. This is a nice sign for me as someone who likes mid-range shots in slam ball, which ends up being a lot of just putting it up there and letting it come straight back down. And he's got the capability to do that. Um, I just think with his size, you'd maybe be hoping he's running to the basket. But push comes to shove, mid-range shots in slam ball, I like it. I like that. I like that he's able to do it. His dribbling is not very finesse-heavy, which does that matter. It can do in making defenders react one way as you go another, but all of his dribbling abilities were about straight to the basket. It's about penetrating towards the rim. It's about getting towards the basket and making a, making a score. Which in slam ball basically means if you're able to do that around one defender, you're into the trampolines and you're ready to go at the hoop. Okay, so that's a good sign. 
for, for that, that standpoint. He might struggle in the open floor. We talked about the spin move being something that might be a nice thing, but that's less important as a stopper. The ability to get past that last defender in front of you and go straight at the stopper, that's a lot better. Like I say, though, very limited footage that I can find for Christian Grey, um, at least footage relating to basketball. Uh, so I don't have anything I can like add past that. We can talk about one of the two guys on this team I'm very high on, um, not including Darren Slade, but two guys who I think are maybe all-star ca uh, capable, which is Ty McGee, who was their second-round pick. He's 27. He's from Littleton, Colorado. Six foot five, 210 pounds, and a gunner. He spent three years at Colorado Christian University. In his 2016-17 season, the last season he was there, he got 16.2 points per game, 7.1 rebounds, 3.35 assists, and one steal per game in 33 minutes. That is some good stats at any college level. 16.2 is a lot of points. 7.1 rebounds is a nice number of rebounds. 3.35 assists is a lot of assists comparing it to anyone else in the league. I think there's a couple guys who maybe have assisted more at any point in like whatever level. This is a very high number. And the one steals per game is just a nice adage. Okay, For that final year of college eligibility, he moved to Regis College for 17-18, where he went down to 12.8 points per game 4.8 rebounds per game, and his assists went down to 2.4 uh, assists per game in 27 minutes per game. So, reduced role, but still getting reasonable numbers, okay? I would assume he's coming off the bench, potentially. Um, and or, or he was coming off the bench, I should say. And that means that he was being sent to score more than he was anything else. But even if, with focusing on scoring... Still getting a reasonable number of rebounds, still getting, again, 2.4 assists per game is a nice number for this league coming in. Um, I like that. I like that he can contribute both as a starter and as a bench guy. I don't think he'll be coming off the bench in slam ball, though. And even if he is, the rotating speed of, like, who's on the court, who's not on the court, who's on the floor, who's coming on the floor, uh, really means that it's less important to be a bench guy in this league by the looks of things. But you, like, it, it's it's less, sorry... It's not less important to be a bench guy. It's really important to have a good bench because your bench is almost playing starter minutes, okay? It's a 20-minute match and everyone's running constantly. So you want guys. But I don't think Ty McGee is coming off the bench. I think he's a potential all-star. I think he's starting as one of the gunners, but we'll talk about starting five, starting four later on. In both those seasons we just talked about, he shot 50% from the field, which is two point, and 30% from three. Very limited numbers on the three-point shooting, but consistent throughout his college career that it's kind of, there was one really bad season, but three out of the four years, it was 30% or, or above. I like that. It's not a wonderful shooting percentage, but I like that he is at least comfortable enough with it, especially in a sport that I want the floor spread and four-point shooting is now a thing. You can shoot from even further away and get some four points on the board, which could be super important in this league. In terms of the clips you can see from him playing basketball online, very quick elevation on dunks getting to the rim. That can surprise a stopper. That can just make their life very difficult. He's got a nice drive to the rim dribble game. So again, similar to what we were talking about with Christian Gray in terms of just getting towards the basket, getting very close to the hoop and making some sort of play. Again, we can see that from Ty McGee as someone who's just going to get inside and make a play. Um, he finishes over defenders with his dunks quite regularly, totally unafraid of contact in the air. He can also change those finishes instead of dunks to being like lay-ins, which shows an ability to make a change in the air. Again, if a stopper's coming at you and you're not able to get a dunk off, you can float to the side, 
throw the ball up there. That would be quite a nice thing to have on your team. And he's got really nice touch coming off of spin moves. So he's spinning, dribbling, spinning. He picks up the ball and while still spinning, he goes into the air to make a shot. Really nice touch on those, which I think is another good sign for shooting inside the trampoline. So at minimum, we've got two guys now who I'm more than most other teams. I'm more confident in these guys being able to shoot around the basket, um, maybe in the air, on the trampolines, coming down, whatever it might be. And he's generally shooting quite comfortably from the mid-range. Again, three-point shooting, not, not as great, but he can do that. He can do that. He can also make blocks on the three-point line. So from a defensive standpoint, that's really good in terms of his movement. I'm looking at this guy and I'm going, wow, this guy isn't, you know, this guy isn't your starting stopper. He's got the size, he's got some athleticism, he's got some nice rebounding stats and nice defensive stats. But what we're learning more and more as the season's getting closer from the outside is that a lot of gunners are training to be stoppers and stoppers are training to be gunners. It's a real mishmash. It's the ability to play it anywhere. You would see that in earlier seasons sometimes if if a stopper got banged up and needed to take a step out, or if the play called for the stopper to be going straight to the basket, you'd end up having some of the larger gunners coming back and playing minutes, some spot minutes at that stopper position. And so I think that's something the Wrath have a lot of options with. Maybe not people who are registered in a position, but they have the capability to play that same position. So that's quite nice to see from Ty McGee. Especially the fact that he also understands timing. So that's not just um, going for rebounds and putback dunks that we've already talked about. That's getting into passing lanes. That's jumping for blocks at times. It's also a thing I saw a lot from his game is cutting baseline. So that's kind of underneath the basket, going along the court, um, behind the defender's back so they can't see you. That can be quite handy when the, um, the stopper's in the trampoline. Uh, I was reading through the new rule book earlier. One of the things that you definitely can't do from an offensive standpoint is interfere with the stopper when they're in their little box underneath the hoop. But if they come into the trampolines and he's running baseline to baseline, just behind, or sorry, sideline to sideline on the baseline, just behind the hoop, that creates a lot of um, confusion for a stopper. Is this guy going to jump in and try and dunk on me? Is he going to be a passing option for players who are cutting towards the basket? What can I expect from this guy who's shown in his, uh, his basketball highlights from college that he is able to do that, that he is able to just cut along very quickly and make a play on the basket? In terms of slam ball highlights, it's the only guy on the team so far that I've been able to see some stuff that he's done. Primarily, it's he's coming very low to the hoop. He's not getting a ton of elevation. But again, if you're just jumping straight forward and low, that can be really hard for a stopper to, well, stop because you're coming right at them when they're expecting most players to try and go over them in some respect. So this is a good thing to have in the game, but if that's his only option, I'm not so excited about it. If it's that well, as I've talked about cutting off baseline uh, and making potentially passes, again, good assist numbers, then this could be a really dangerous guy to have on the offensive end. I like Ty McGee. Um, as I said, the wrath of the team that I picked like big before the season started. Um, and so every time I'm going through the players, I'm going, right, I might buy his jersey. Do I want his jersey? Whose jersey do I want? And a McGee number five, is it? No. Christian Gray's number five. Um, I can't remember what McGee wears, but a McGee jersey might be quite nice. Just saying. Just saying. Anyone who's thinking about Christmas presents in July. Their third round pick is Stephen Julian the third from Louisville, Kentucky. He's 24 years old, and he's another guy that I think could be an all-star if he gets the opportunity. Another big gunner, six foot seven, 210 pounds. He spent four years playing in the Ivy League, uh, like Ivy League school system, uh, for Cornell University. 
last playing for them in 2018-19, where he was averaging... Um, sorry, he spent two years there, finished up in 2018-19, and over those two years, he had 5.5 points per game, 6.1 rebounds per game. The points don't really excite me, but the rebounds are really good. His shooting and scoring went down in year two. Every other stat went up, right? So his points per game were higher when he was younger, and then it got reduced down as he went through his time at college. Maybe that's a concern, but we are about to talk about his time in the pro basketball leagues, and that can be quite a good thing, because college is great, and a lot of these guys are getting college stats thrown our way. For example, he was fourth in the Ivy League at shots blocked at 1.5 per game, sixth in rebounding at 6.4, and 11th in steals at 1.1 per game. So good uh, in terms of in terms of defensive stats for blocks and steals. Really like that from a player who, again, at his size, could be playing backup stopper minutes. Um, also really like the rebounding for timing. But those stats, do they maintain when you go to the Pro League? And how does scoring change when you go to the Pro League? The, the Pro League? <laughs> to the Pro League. That translates pretty well for him. He did have a couple of seasons I'm just not touching on because the stats are so abysmal I don't want to talk about them. They're, they're very bad. And that's mostly because I don't have the time. I don't have the time to, to think what does this two point per game season really tell me in nine games played? How many minutes was it? What does that say? We'll find out on the court. But I think that a season like that, there, something else had to have gone on that we're just not privy to. His season in Luxembourg, though, playing for Arantia in 2022. So this was last year. This is like his most recent stuff, right? 16 points per game. 13.8 rebounds per game, 3.3 assists, 1.6 blocks, 1.9 blocks, shooting, sorry, 1.9 steals, shooting 58% from two-point range, okay? He's doing a little bit or a lot of bit of everything. Averaging a double-double is impressive in any pro league. Um, being able to do that while also adding on three and a half, almost three and a half assists and being able to consistently block and consistently steal balls from other players. I like this guy as a potential defensive monster um, but also again another gunner who can distribute the ball from inside the tramps it's three guys we've talked about now who all have assist numbers that are minimum like one and a half like two two assists per game at, at two of the gunners we'll get onto a third gunner in a minute none of these guys are averaging at like at least at one point in career all of them are averaging two assists plus again 3.3 here even higher for Ty McGee in, in his college career so really like that he seems to have grown into like a more well-rounded player. He was already well-rounded, but being able to add some more scoring to his game, exciting prospect. How will it translate to slam ball? Who's to say? The size is really good. The distribution is really good. The aggressiveness on the defensive end is really good. Let's talk about what the highlights say a little bit more. He's comfortable with catch and shoot shots in the mid-range. Not great from three-point land. Um, he actually averaged 26% from three in that season with Luxembourg. You don't like that. You want it to be 30% or higher, but it's not, it could have been a lot worse. It could have been a lot, lot worse from a guy who clearly has to put a lot more effort in when shooting the three than he does when shooting from mid-range. That mid-range thing, I just think null and void in slam ball. If you can do it on the trampolines, great, but it makes it so much harder and we've not seen anyone really showcase that in highlights yet. So we'll see when the season comes around, will that change, Okay. Something about his dunk technique really excites me. Okay, I, I, it's, it's designed to get stoppers out of the way. It's one hand a little bit lower down, and it's the hand that's coming at the rim almost being level with the rim, okay? I cannot describe it as anything other than, like, I don't know. I see it 
you see it in the NBA and whenever, or, or in any other basketball league, and when guys do it, they sort of hang on the rim for a little bit longer than needed a lot of the time, right? It almost looks like the, I don't know, when people draw like orangutans and they've got their ha one hand up and one hand down, but you're throwing a ball through a hoop and you're putting your entire body between the, the defensive player and yourself. And that's a really good sign if that's his go-to dunk, because he hits it several times in the clips you see. If that's his go-to dunk strategy, going up against stoppers, who are, again, big and physical and coming right at you, I like it. I like it a lot. Um, he's got good timing when it's on rebounds and putbacks. So that's either catching it while it's still in the air and putting it back into the rim, or just knowing where the ball's going to land and taking it. Timing's really exciting for me, again, as a potential backup stopper. But it's also really exciting in terms of knowing... If one of your teammates has missed a shot on the offensive end, knowing when to go in to get the ball. So, good thing for Steven Julian III. Very comfortable with physicality. Um, getting bumped left, right and centre. Um, making contact rather than just taking contact. Good things to see for a very physical sport. He had some nice timing on blocks. But it's just not, it, it wasn't showcased a huge amount in his game. Again, the stats say that he's getting over one and a half blocks per game. Really nice. Um, but his, his highlight package isn't, isn't showing a huge amount of them. So I can't explain if they're transition-based, if it's, they're timing-based. All I can tell you is that there's, there is some nice timing in, in some of them. On the dunks, some of them are ferocious. A lot of them are over defenders who just happen to be in the way. And again... If you're comfortable doing a move like that, making a play like that on, on bigger guys in, in the stopper position or guys who are just underneath you, a uh, very good sign for the ability to, to just score three points regularly at a slam ball rim. Also good vision, although it's not the focal point of his game. He's able to make some plays when, when players are focusing on him as the ball carrier or in transition, but it's just not, it's not a big part of his game. The three-point shooting worries me, but... The distribution, the assist numbers really make up for it in my mind. Again, he's not playing stopper primarily. He's listed as a gunner. He'll probably end up playing stopper minutes. The distribution's a nice element to that. The shooting, I think I, I'm putting maybe too much stock in it because I mention it every time, but it may be just be that I mention it every time, so I think I'm putting too much stock in it. When the reality is, it's, it is something to think about in a league that's just introduced a four-point line. Because if one team's shooting great from distance and you're not, fours are worth more than threes. You know, even if you're getting dunk after dunk, if they're shooting, you know, four-point four shots, that's a lot harder. It's a lot harder. And a lot less taxing on the body. We move on to Trey Landers, the third gunner drafted by the RAF. 25 years old from Dayton, Ohio. Six foot five, 245 pounds. Another gunner that could really easily be stepping into that stopper spot. You could start all four of these guys, Gray, uh, Landers, McGee, and Julian III, and you would have a starting, a starting four of, of giants who could all rotate from gunner and to stopper, and they pretty much all have good distribution numbers. Why did I say pretty much all? Well, Trey Landers spent four years playing Division I NCAA basketball at Dayton. That's the highest level you can play of college basketball. Okay, In his sophomore season... 17-18, that was his best statistical season in terms of numbers, but his senior year, his last year, 1920, is is pretty comparable and is more recent, so I'm going to focus on those numbers, okay? 10.5 points per game, 6.9 rebounds per game, 2.4 assists per game, and 1 steal per game, okay? Remember what I'm saying about the distribution abilities of pretty much every guy that we've talked about so far. In my earlier reviews for, for this upcoming season, 
Two assists per game was a wonderful number to see. We've got three guys, minimum so far, who are averaging at least at some point in their college or professional career, two plus assists per game. For some of them, it's three plus. It's really, really encouraging to see in terms of passing and also having the size and the, the willingness to go inside to score as well, right? He shot 57% from the field and 31% from three. Very low attempts on the three-point shooting, but again, if it's around 30%, I'm, I'm at least content with it. Um, but I, it, it's not a part of his game, okay? Following his time in college, he went to Katia in Finland. I've probably wildly mispronounced that. Katia. For 2021-2022 season, where he averaged 5.3 points per game, massive decrease to those points per game, but his rebounds increased to 7.1 rebounds per game. His assists stayed relatively high, especially for a guy who's who's not doing the majority of the ball handling at 1.5 assists, and he managed to maintain that one steals per game average. So defensive disruption, distribution ability, really good timing on rebounding, and that being a thing that he's, he's expected to do for his team. Although the sample size is quite small, in 11 games, playing 26 minutes per game, okay? Clearly focused on those rebounds with his size. The points per game drop-off does concern me, but if you're not a major part of the offense, then it's, it's not that big of a concern. Um, the shooting percentages go down quite a lot, 41% from field, 24% from three, with low attempt numbers again. But, you know, it's if you're not as, part, uh, as much part of the offense, it can, you know, numbers fluctuate. That's, that's just a thing. The rebounds encourage me. The assists encourage me. The steals encourage me. Scoring's very different in this sport to in basketball, and we'll just have to see how some guys adapt, okay? His latest recorded time playing basketball is not encouraging, and it's the highest level he'd played. So we end up playing the 2021-2022 season with the, the Canton charge of the G League, which is the... The, it, they're not like the developmental league for the NBA, but you have NBA players, which is the highest level of basketball in the world. There are NBA players who have what's called a two-way contract. So they're sometimes playing with an NBA team. They're sometimes playing with the G League affiliate team. Okay, so that's that's what the Canton charge would be. And in that season, um, we're seeing very low numbers from Trey Landers, okay? 1.8 points per game, 3.5 rebounds per game, 0.8 assists, 0.5 steals in 19.3 minutes per game. So he's coming off the bench. His season is so weird though, because there are regularly games where he gets less than 10 minutes. And then the last game of the season, he had 41 minutes of a 48 minute game, right? So the, the Charger probably just looking at prospects and trying to see who fits and who doesn't fit. But even you would think it would even out a bit more if he's getting games where it's like 27 minutes per game and, and 5 minutes and 40 minutes and 30 minutes, right? you think the scoring would even out if he was able to do it. Clearly, there was something wrong at that level that he wasn't able to adjust to it. And that's a bit of a concern, okay? We'll find out on Friday um, how he plays, but the 1.8 points per game, not exciting, the rebounds at 3.5 in a really mismatched season. Again, good timing. Something I'm excited to see. Weirdly, there's not like that many clips and stuff that I can find readily available online for, for Landers. So I don't have an analysis of his game. You'd think there would be based on where he played, but there's not that much I can find. What I can find is this quote talking about him winning the Chris Daniels Memorial Most Improved Player Award while he was in college. 
And the quote was, his statistical performance is as much a part of this as his leadership ability, right? He's not listed as a leader, as a, as a captain or a co-captain for this Wrath team, but I like any guy who's got an intangible thing that doesn't go down in a box score, that you can't list in, in numbers. And that being something that's touted as being a big part of who he is, is really encouraging to see. We move on to a guy who I love talking about because I thought he was going to be a beast when he was on the Griffins as a fifth man coming off the bench and disrupting defensively at the handler position. This is the smallest guy on the Wrath, Darian Slade, 25 years old from Winston-Salem, North Carolina, 6 feet tall, 213 pounds, and he's their only registered handler on this team. So I don't think he could win fifth man of the year anymore, mainly because I think he's going to be starting for the Wrath, okay? I really liked him in that potential position because he was a defensive back for college football. Third most tackles in Campbell University football history with 221 over 44 games, including a further 17 pass breakups, three fumble recoveries, and two forced fumbles over six years, right? This guy is a massive defensive threat in terms of disrupting play, getting in the passing lanes, and causing problems for quarterbacks in American football, right? What do you think happens when you let him loose on a slam ball court and say, bully their handler, hit him when he dribbles the ball, get in his way, get in his passing lanes, do whatever you can. Really, really like that. And I also like that he loves physicality. He says, I'm a big physical safety. I like to come downhill. So when they're coming at him, he's coming at them back. And that can be really encouraging defensively, okay? Prior to his time at college, he also was a quarterback in high school and played a reasonable amount of basketball. Like, he played basketball in high school. He also played on, like, the youth traveling circuit. So you go to, like, different tournaments and camps and try and show your worth. He played in um, Under Armour ones and EYBL ones and Nike tournaments and all this stuff. These are all high-level high school prospects that he'd be playing against, and he was able to hold his own, including setting, like, records in certain tournaments because of how often he was invited back. On top of that, or rather, a thing to think about, uh, I'm concerned with a sport that's so leg-focused in terms of the trampolines and everything. Injuries, he had two torn meniscus in his freshman year, one in each leg, um, and that that's a worry for me in terms of how comfortable you're going to be on the trampolines. That's my instant thought. But his best statistical years came after he'd had surgery, on, on those injuries, okay? He had surgery, he took the time off to heal, he didn't rush himself back, and when he came back to Campbelltown to play football, it was not a concern for his explosivity, and he was very comfortable on the football field. So, I'm excited to see Darian Slade. I'm really glad he's on my team, because Darian Slade wears number seven, and I want a Slade seven jersey. That might be my jersey that I pick up from the Wrath. We'll wait and see. Slam ball merch is coming this week, I'm told, but I don't know if it's like, for all the teams or if it's just the league all they've shown us is a gray hoodie with the logo and i'm fighting everything to order it so we'll find out we will find out the next pick that the wrath made sean stith 24 east oakland california 6 feet 255 pounds and a their official their backup stopper anyone could play stopper on this team apart from darius even darius Slade, let him do it He's 6'8", 255 pound stopper. He spent three years playing for Cal State Bakerfield with his last season of uh, college basketball happening in 2021-2022. 
Nice numbers in terms of 7.5 points per game, 3.8 rebounds per game, and 1 assist per game. That's pretty consistent across those three years. They don't jump from one to the other. He's always scoring points at a reasonable clip. He's always getting rebounds at a decent average, and he's always managing to make at least one assist per game. Disruption, oh sorry, distribution not great compared to some other guys on this team. But still, the fact he's consistent with it, I like. 49% from the field, so his mid-range shooting was was fine. You actually find out when you look at his highlights that it's a lot of stuff just right at the basket, a lot of using his size to bully people out of the way. That might explain why his shooting percentage outside of the field is not as great. 13% from three, but a very low number of attempts. So don't hold that against him, but you can sort of analyze that as, okay, so he's not spreading the floor for this team at the stopper position. The assists aren't as great. This is going to be a very defensive-focused stopper. And why not? That's the point of the position, okay? He spent a year with the Enid Outlaws of the Basketball League, which is high-level semi-professional basketball. He had 10.3 points per game, 5.1 rebounds in 23 minutes over 11 games. Again, decent numbers. The scoring goes up a little bit. The rebounding goes up a little bit because he's being asked to do more as a part of this league. And um, yeah, it's just that that's kind of encouraging. His physicality is the biggest thing for me uh, that will serve him well defensively at stopper. And as I say, you see that in the highlights you can find when he was playing for Bucaros in Colombia in 2022. Unafraid of contact, whether he's creating it or whether it's players diving on top of him as he tries to make shots, he's fine with it. Really exciting to see that on the, on the defensive end. Good distribution when he's drawn the defense. So when players are looking at him as a concern, he's going to make a pass to somebody that's open and he's good at doing that. He's not a dunker. I think that might be a size thing. But he is comfortable mid-range shooting and he's got nice touch around the rim. But that touch does not extend to being in the air, okay? He is making baskets. He is making finger rolls. He is making plays right next to the hoop. But it's not while he's in the air next to the hoop. Like some guys who maybe jump up thinking they're going to dunk. A defender meets them and then they're able to maneuver mid-air around the guy. That's not what we're seeing from Sean Stith. But we are seeing physicality. I'm not entirely sure what other defensive capabilities we're seeing. I'm not seeing blocking numbers. I'm not seeing steals numbers. I'm not seeing a huge amount of, like, timing prowess. He gets a couple of blocks in the highlight footage, but it's none that are, like, wowing me. I think it's going to be sheer size, just sheer, 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 sheer size at the rim, deflecting shots and making it difficult for the opposing offense, okay? The last pick that the Wrath made, the last member of their roster, is Nicholas Parks, 29, from Lithonia, Georgia. There's very little on this guy because he did not play basketball, he did not play football. He's 6'4", 200 pounds, and he's a gunner. He's a two-time All-American in track and field for like speed-based events, for running-based events, including shattering the Big Ten institution, which is sort of like a collection of different colleges, shattering their half-century-old record in the 400-meter sprint. So... Fast and over longish, shortish distance, I can never tell. But speeded is, is his main thing. He was the, the at his college at Purdue, he was male track athlete, uh, most valuable player of the year, most valuable athlete, I think would make more sense there. But very fast, consistently fast. His nickname from his grand when he was a kid was Nick the Quick. I hope that translates to slam ball. If he gets like a lot of fast points, Nick the Quick with another bucket, whatever it might be. But I can't see anything else. There's no basketball highlights. There's no football highlights. His Instagram is barren. And again, this is another player on this team who's not touting 
the only person is Ty McGee that's posting like, here's what we're doing in Slam Ball, and no one else is. And I don't know if that's a, on, intentional or if just none of the guys feel it. And maybe this is going to be the team with the worst vibes, right? Who's to say? Me, right now, is to, to guess, right? I've not got anything on that. I've not got people telling me, oh, the Raf house is depressing. I don't know. I'm just saying if you've got every other player in the league, is pre- almost every player is posting something, or every team has got people who are like, yeah, this is a family, we're having a great time, we're doing this, and you're the team that's got one guy who's posted three highlight clips and that's it. I'm not jazzed about that as a fan. I'm a little bit concerned about the camaraderie. Will that matter? I mean, I think so for distribution, for communication, for having fun with it, you know. But we'll, we'll, we'll wait and see. Let's talk about their options at coaching. So their head coach is James Willis, former player for the Rumble from 2002 to 2008. He is a big guy, but he primarily understood positioning while on the floor, especially underneath the basket, close to the rim, being able to be in a position to frustrate the stopper and get in their way. Really good when you consider what I was talking about earlier with Ty McGee as a guy who is already shown that on the basketball court, now he just needs to translate it over to slam ball. His assistant coach is James Lee, big physical player when he was taking part in slam ball, good for educating young guys on how to play that way, especially in a team full of large dudes who are playing gunner, maybe playing stopper, maybe switching up, maybe need to learn how to play handler a little bit. James Lee can definitely facilitate that. Let's talk about starting four. And let's start with their number one pick, or their first round pick, Christian Gray at stopper. I think that's an obvious choice if that's the position they're picking him at. I don't have enough information to say that he's going to be great, to say that he's going to be all-star. If you're getting taken in the first round of this thing, you're starting, and you're going to be good in some respects. So Christian Gray, starting stopper. Handler, Darian Slade is the only guy they've got on this roster with Handler next to his name. I think there are going to be other guys who can distribute the ball equally as well. But I think that it just makes logical sense to have Darian Slade be your starting handler. Maybe he does still win fifth man of the year. Maybe my initial prediction when he was on the Griffins is right. uh, And they instead do a three handler, sorry, a three gunner formation and just play really, really big and have Darian Slade be a defensive, defensive disruptor coming off the bench. Would not surprise me, but I'm going with him as starter. Also just because I really like the guy. Is that so bad? At Gunner, we've got two potential all-stars for me in Ty McGee and Stephen Julian III. I like both of them in different elements, but overall, scoring and size. And I think, in all honesty, this is, might be one of the flaws with, with how I'm picking all-stars. There's a lot of footage of them. It's a lot of footage that I can look at and go, right, there's a lot of footage here. And it's a lot of stuff that I like and that I can see how it translates in some way or another. And some players don't have that. Players who are drafted higher for other teams, they just do not have like a, a Rolodex of film that I can analyze and say, this is what's good and this is what's bad. So yeah, that's why I'm saying McGee and Julian are potential all-stars, but wait until the full season preview that drops this Friday before the league tips off, um, where I'll, I'll break down further sort of what I think we can expect, or at the very least what I'm thinking about as we go into the full season and I will also be making my predictions for all-stars um I'll give you like a short list but I'll also give you like this is who I think is going to be the best handler the best stopper and the best gunners in the league okay fifth man for this team Trey Landers no other reason that I've got him here than I think he could do gunner or stopper very big guy and he was drafted high so that's why he's there I don't have any like like major positives I want to hit on with him 
I just think that that's, that feels right, that he's fifth man, okay? Let's talk about weaknesses and strengths, because we always end on a positive. Weaknesses, handler depth. I really like Darian Slade, but he's undersized compared to some players in this game, even at the handler position. But there's no one that can play those alternative minutes if he goes off the floor. There's, there's gunners that have good distribution attributes, good assist numbers, stuff I like, but I'm not sure that they can play handler. Whether it's Darian Slade, I am. And I don't know if he's someone that can last the full 20 minutes of the game um, with the physicality and everything and still contribute offensively the same way that I expect him to do defensively, okay? A couple of the Gunners could move around, but there's a reason that Slade was brought into this team midway through training camp. There's a reason he's the only handler on this team. It's because through injuries or through whatever it may have been, the Wrath have lost their handlers, and to get a handle on the situation, Darian Slade has been put in by the league. Fine. General rotational depth, Okay. It's very hard to analyse how good this team is overall when I can't find enough footage on some of the guys, even their starting stopper, right? I think they're good. I think they've got options, but I don't, I'm not convinced that everyone's going to be able to contribute in a meaningful way, okay? Seven guys on a team, everyone needs to be able to contribute in a meaningful way, and I'm not convinced of that yet. And part of that is their third weakness, their three-point shooting. None of them are wowing me with percentages. None of the guys who have decent percentages are showing that they're comfortable at it. And that's so much more important now that there's a four-point line that's even further away that, that teams could just abuse and, and destroy the wrath from the outside. And that's not... We don't like that as as a, as a analyst looking at how you can make this game easier for yourself. Spreading the floor is how you do that and not having anyone that can shoot threes is a concern. Those are their weaknesses. They do have some positives, and I, I like being able to finish on positives. Lots of size. 6-4 and above for everyone apart from Darian Slade. That is an imposing thing to come up against for another team. Imposing in terms of just, why those are big guys, but also frustrating in terms of how do we get past these dudes. They're taking up so much room around the outside of the trampolines. How do we get in? Once we do get in, who's playing at stopper? Is it Christian Gray? Is it Ty McGee? Is it uh, anyone on the team that's really, really big that can just fill in that position? And so that even if you think, wow, we've, we've run a fast break opportunity, the stopper's out of position, this is good. Oh, wait, here comes a gunner who's managed to get into the stopper box and, and is right in our faces. Doesn't get any harder than that. I think defensively, generally, that's their biggest thing. A first-round pick was a stopper. We can't see what he offers from highlights, but if you're getting picked first and you're a stopper, you're probably pretty decent defensively, okay? Two gunners with size and defensive capabilities who could also play the stopper. And Darian Slade, who is a handler that I love from a defensive disruption slash like off-the-bench firecracker position in terms of just send him out there, yell attack, and he's going to get something done, right? It's going to be very hard to get around the wrath. Um, they might not be the best scoring, um, but they're definitely going to punish you defensively. One of the, the positives... Uh, all of these are positives, but the biggest positive from their scoring is distribution from the gunner position. Again, three gunners who averaged over two assists per game in a recent season of their of their career, of their lives, right? Those are good numbers to see from a position that's supposed to just be scoring. Oh, wait, they can also make a pass. Can they make a pass in the air? I don't know, because none of these guys have posted any footage on Instagram. So I can't, I can't tell, I can't see. I don't get the game footage sent to me, right? All I can tell you is that looking at their stats... 
they're going to be making a lot of mess in and around the trampolines, looking for open guys and really discombobulating and, and making the stoppers uncomfortable on the other side. Because once you're into the trampolines, it's only the stopper you've got to worry about. The other defensive players can't really do too much. They, they can get the trampolines, but they, if they hit you in the air, that might be that's that might be a foul. And so having three gunners you can just throw in and then they can pass it left, right and, and cut baseline and cut into the trampolines from different angles and directions. It's a lot to have to deal with. It's a lot, a lot to have to deal with. Okay. Good movement inside the tramps generally is, is going to be really great. The fact that there's no standout shooters does hamper this theory um, because in order to make the cuts work, you have to also have a defense that's worried about outside shooting and no one's going to be like that with the Wrath. Okay. But I'm positive. Overall, I'm positive. I wish there was more to talk about with the Wrath. They've not put it out there. I can't tell you why. That concerns me as a fan who's picked this team at random. Um, but I'm excited because I like how their team looks now that I finally had a chance to look at them. I like Darian Slade still being the league because I was worried when he disappeared from the Griffins roster page and the fact that he's on my team is so much better. Excited for the season. It starts this Friday, but we've got content. It's going to be out here on Bounce Off every single day, maybe for the next two weeks. We'll see. We've got this episode today. We've got an interview tomorrow with Cam, Hall, uh, Cam Horton. Cam Horton, apologies, of the mob. We've got an interview coming on Wednesday with the personally certified top odds setter in Slamball. We've got an interview with Keenan Love all about his 46-mile walk in, in protest of the murder of George Floyd. That comes out on Thursday as well. And then on Friday, we have my full 2023 season preview followed up with reviews of the games the night before on Saturday, Sunday, and Monday morning. And then we'll see what the rest of that week has on offer. But I'm very excited. Hopefully you're very excited. Follow me on social media. Follow all the other great Slamball content creators. Have a beautiful and blessed day. We'll see you later. Slamball's back!